Welcome to the Capital City Christian Church Podcast. My name is Chris, and I'm so glad that you're tuning in with us. If this is your first time listening or you'd just like to reach out, feel free to shoot an email to hello at capitalcitychristian.org, and I'd be glad to talk with you. We're in the middle of a message series walking through the book of Colossians, which is a letter about a big Jesus for life's big problems. This is week seven of the series, and we're talking about what it means to be citizens of God's kingdom while we live in this world. Well, let's turn it on over to our senior minister, Dr. Stephen Doc Pattison. Good morning. Really glad you guys are here. Just in case you doze off, I'm going to go ahead and tell you where we're going to end up. This is our big idea this morning. Remember who you are and what you stand for. Remember who you are and what you stand for. In fact, I'd kind of like you just to start out by saying that with me. Are you ready? Remember who you are and what you stand for. A lot of guys use that line. I Googled it last week and found a couple of pics that I, that I like. How about this? And you guys remember that scene from The Lion King? They got half of it. Remember who you are, right? The next one, that, I like that one a little bit better because it reminds me of Aslan. You guys know Aslan? Remember who you are. Quite a few people actually use the line as a tattoo, although I'm pretty convinced that you better be all in before you put that on your body like that. And this is my favorite, right? I really like this one. Because I think that's kind of the way a lot of people are. It's what they see. I actually stole the line myself from a colleague of mine at Kentucky Christian College. His name was Dick Dameron. He was a history professor and a pastor and a basketball coach. And that's what he tells athletes. Todd Lane played for Dick, and he told me that uh, they'd have their locker room conversation, and before they went out onto the floor, every single time, they'd all put their hands together, and Dick would tell them, remember who you are and what you stand for. Todd said it just burned it on their hearts. Randy's my preaching partner. He was on Dick's staff. He took over after Dick stepped off as the basketball coach. I was the soccer coach, and so we started using that line for our, for our athletes. Remember who you are and what you stand for. And I think it's a line that perhaps some of us ought to use. I think my wife uses it regularly with our grandkids because it's huge. And it actually does summarize the verses that we're going to unpack today in Colossians. We're about halfway in this little study through the book of Colossians. It's a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a group of Jesus followers at a little town called Colossae. You got to remember that this Paul was the same guy who used to hate Jesus and hate Jesus' followers turned out to be one of the most passionate Jesus followers ever. And he became a coach, which is kind of what an apostle was, right? They coached churches. When Paul wrote letters, he was coaching a church. And usually when he's writing a letter, there's kind of a shift. There's a turn in the letter, ordinarily somewhere about halfway through. First part of the letter, he would talk theology. What do we believe? Who is Jesus? Who is God? What did Jesus do for us? Isn't Jesus incredible? That's the first half of the letter. In the second half of the letter, he'd start talking about what it means, how to live it out. Start talking about what a difference Jesus makes in our life. It ought to make a difference in the way that you treat your wife and raise your kids and do your job, treat your neighbors. It's supposed to change us. And that's kind of where we are in our study of Colossians. We're beginning chapter three out of four chapters, and it's kind of the turn of the letter. He's moving from the what we believe part to what do we do about it part. What difference does it make? And in these first verses in Colossians chapter 3, we're going to kind of discover two ideas. First one, I've already told you. Remember who you are and what you stand for. You're a Jesus follower. 
who you are now is not who you were. So don't act like who you were. Live out who you really are. You're different now. Your identity, identity is fundamentally different now. Start being who you really are. That's the first big idea. Second big idea, we're going to have to dig a little bit. It's there. It's kind of underneath the surface a little. I think it was captured by an old dead guy about 1,600 years ago by the name of Augustine. Augustine put it like this. He says, love God and do what you want. That's the Christian ethic. That's how we live. Love God and do what you want. See, a lot of people think that Jesus following is about a bunch of rules, a bunch of do's that you do and a bunch of don'ts that you don't do really boils down to this, love and honor God. Love and honor what God loves and do what you want. Now we're going to look at a couple of sin lists. There are a couple of lists in these verses with, and some people are going to treat them like rules or things you can't do as a Christian. But it really boils down to this. We may be living here on earth temporarily, but we're citizens of heaven. So start living like it. Start treating each other the way that you're going to be treating each other in heaven. Love and honor God. That's what you're going to do in heaven. Love and honor the people of God. That's what you're going to do in heaven too. So for about the next 25 minutes, these are the two big ideas that I'm going to try to unpack. Let's start here. Guys, human beings are different. We're different. And I know that that is contested today. I know that there are people out there who are going to tell you that you're really nothing more than an animal, maybe a little bit more highly evolved than some of the other animals, but you're really just an animal. No better, no more entitled. God doesn't agree. God says you're different. Of all the creatures on earth, we are the only ones capable of interacting with a spiritual world, which we believe is out there. I've never seen a dog go to its knees, bow its head, and pray. Have you? You've seen him sleep. I've never seen a cat raise its paws and worship God. I've heard him make noises like some of you guys do, right? When you worship God. But it's a different experience. But all of you guys can. All of you guys have experienced the spiritual world. You have felt its presence. You have sensed its nudges. It's part of what it means to be a creature in the image of God. We can sense that there are spiritual forces out there that are aligned with God. We can sense that there are spiritual forces out there that are aligned against God. And they both tug on us. And every one of us stands with one foot in this world, this physical world, and the other foot in this spiritual world. And as a Jesus follower, we get to choose Every one of us senses that there's more to life out there than what we can see with our eyes and touch with our hands. But it goes further than that. My suspicion is that you have felt a sense of eternity in your heart. God planted it there. We kind of know that this life is not all there is. We believe that this world is temporary. For us, the average lifespan is about 80 years. We don't think it's the end. Our physical bodies are going to die. We don't believe it's the end. We believe in a heaven and a hell. Do you? Do you really? Here's where it gets interesting. Because I'm not just talking about what happens when we die. 
after we die. Jesus made it possible for us to stand with one foot right now in the kingdom of God. Right now, you can stand with one kingdom, one foot in the kingdom of this world, the other foot in the kingdom of God, and you get to choose which one is going to define you right now. I mean, I'm a Kentuckian now. Didn't always, haven't always been a Kentuckian, born in California, raised there in Oregon. Way more than that, I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. I'm an American. Always have been. I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God, and that is way, way, way bigger. In fact, if you read the guys who wrote the New Testament, they call us resident aliens. We are the resident aliens. We Jesus followers here on this earth. I'm an American. I'm a Kentuckian, sort of. But my citizenship is in God's kingdom. The guys who wrote the New Testament sometimes call us sojourners. We're just passing through this world. This place is temporary. It is not our home. They call us exiles. Right now, Julie and I live over on Shadrach Ferry. Someday, I'm going home. Do you believe that? It's kind of hard to believe that, really. There was actually a little letter that was written by a Jesus follower in Rome. This was not by one of the apostles. He wrote this right after the apostles died. His name was Clement. And he writes a letter to some Jesus followers in Corinth. And here's how he opens the letter. He says, the, churches of, the church of God residing as aliens in Rome. And that wasn't because they weren't Roman citizens. They were Jesus followers. The church of God residing as aliens in Rome to the church of God residing as aliens in Corinth. If he were going to address Capital City Christian Church, he'd address it something like this. To the church of God, to you Jesus followers, all of you who are residing as aliens in Franklin County, Kentucky. You live here. This is not your home. You're passing through. I think it's kind of a lot like when my son Andy was in Iraq. He was a soldier. He was in Iraq during the war. He lived there about a year Iraq was not his home. He lived there a year. It was not his home. And he was very conscious of the fact that he was an outsider in Iraq. In fact, some of the people there wanted to kill him. He didn't wear their clothes. Didn't eat their food all of the time, a little bit occasionally. Language wasn't his language. Their religion, their values were not his Julie and I would send those stupid little packages to him to remind him of home, full of all kinds of weird stuff that we'd find here and there, to remind him that we were thinking of him, to bring a little bit of light to his eyes, and to remind him who he really was, and what he stood for. You ever been to a place when you knew for sure that you were an outsider? You just knew you were an outsider. Julie and I moved from Eugene, Oregon, to Jenkins, Kentucky, Okay? If you've not heard of Jenkins, I'll tell you how to get there. You drive southeast till you get lost, then you turn left, right? <laughs> we weren't even convinced that they were speaking the same language. We were outsiders. You ever been able to travel to a different country, experience a different culture? You know what it feels like to be different. In fact, if you're old enough, some of you guys are old enough to know what I'm talking about, we can even feel like an outsider in places where we used to belong. 
Sometimes we older guys start feeling like outsiders because our world keeps changing. Sometimes we feel like outsiders because we're the ones who keep changing. We're Jesus followers. We're Jesus followers. We are resident aliens. We are sojourners. We are exiles. We are living temporarily in a place that is not our home. So here it is. Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 to 4. Paul says, since you have been raised to a new life with Christ, since you have already been raised right now, if you're a Jesus follower, to a new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven because it's more real than anything else. That's your real home now. That's where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. So think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Remember who you are and remember what you stand for because you died to this life. That was the old you. It's not who you are now. And your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your real life right now, when he's revealed... He's going to come back. Then you're going to share in all of his glory. That's what Paul says. So there it is. Before Jesus, this was our home. This is who we were. This is what we stood for. We gained our identity. We gained our values from this world. When we became Jesus followers, this is what happened. Now you've got to read it very, very carefully. Since you have been raised to a new life with Christ, since you have already been raised, right now you have been raised to a new life with Christ. It doesn't say someday you're going to be raised to a new life with Christ, maybe when you get to heaven. It says since you have already, right now, been raised to a new life with Christ, it's already happened, it defines you, this is where it goes, because you're different, act like it. Act like it. I mean, that's exactly the way the message puts it. It's pretty good. It says, if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Actually do it. Set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits right now at the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. The NIV puts it like this. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on earthly things. Set your minds there. Now, I know that sounds a little bit weird because some people think that it's asking us Jesus followers to go around with our heads in the sky. He's not. He's telling us this. He says, remember. Remember who you are and remember what you stand for. Set your mind, which means it's going to take some effort because it's easy to get so wrapped up in the stuff of this world that we forget that we are really resident aliens here. We are not citizens of this world anymore. Verse 3. He says, because you have died to this life. If you are in Christ, you have already died to this life. I love that language. You've died to this life. Any of you guys watch Shark Tank? Not enough hands are going up, all right? Shark Tank's a good show, right? Kevin O'Leary, Mr. Wonderful, that's what he likes to call himself. He sits right in the middle of the sharks there, and it's pretty much the opposite of who he is. He is not Mr. Wonderful. If someone doesn't listen to him, here's what he tells them. They're going to crush you like the cockroaches you are. Right? And then he says, you're dead to me. You're dead to me. I'm out. That language fits us. If you were raised with Christ, you're dead to this world. You died to this life. 
It is not who you are anymore. I actually like this picture. It's actually a picture of a statue that was sculpted by a guy by the name of Dean Kermit Allison. He called the statue Born Again. I like it so much that my daughter bought me a poster and it hangs in my office. It's a reminder. This is a snapshot of what is happening to me right now. If you're a Jesus follower, this is a snapshot of what is happening to you right now. And someday God's going to finish that job. Paul goes on, verse 4. When Christ who is your life, when he, Christ who is your life right now, when he's revealed to the whole world, and he's going to be, it's going to happen, he's coming back. When he's revealed to the whole world, Jesus' followers are going to share in his glory. And then we're not going to look like that just a little. He's going to finish the job, metaphorically. Is that cool? Now, for some of you guys, this is pretty weird stuff, especially you haven't been around the church much. I mean, this whole idea of a physical world that you stand in, a spiritual world that you stand in as well. For some of you guys, even the idea of life after death, eternal life for some, eternal death for others, it's weird. I mean, the whole idea that Jesus was executed, laid dead in a tomb for three days and walked out of his tomb, spent about 40 days convincing his followers that he really was alive. And he went back to heaven where he now sits in the place of honor at the right hand of our God. And if you'll make him your savior and make him your Lord, you're going to die to this world and immediately you're going to become citizens of the kingdom of God. And that changes everything. Because when you remember who you are and what you stand for, it changes everything. But guys, we believe this. And it's deadly serious. It's life-altering serious kingdom of God already is. And if you are a Jesus follower, you're already part of it. And I know that you ain't seen nothing yet. When he comes back, everything's going to change. That job is going to be finished once for all. He is going to win. We pray about it actually whenever we pray the Lord's Prayer. Remember the Lord's Prayer? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May thy kingdom finish coming on earth as is already culminated in heaven. When we pray that prayer, we actually mean it. What's it going to be like? Let me tell you what it's going to be like. I don't know details, but I think this. God's kingdom, we Jesus followers are actually going to love each other. And I know that sounds crazy because we're so different. Some of you Jesus followers are really weird. Some of you guys are really hard to love. It's going to happen. So we said, start doing it now. God's kingdom, all of our sins are going to be forgiven. And even bigger than that, you're finally going to embrace it. You're finally going to accept God's forgiveness. And there's going to be no guilt and there's going to be no shame. You're not going to go around carrying anger and bitterness and grudges. Can you imagine that? Getting rid of that junk that weighs you down. So he says, start living that way now. Just do it. God's kingdom, there's going to be justice, really justice, perfect justice. Isn't that going to be cool? So start doing it now. God's kingdom, human life is actually going to be valued. We're going to treat people with the dignity they deserve as children of God. You think that's going to make a huge difference in how we talk to each other and relate with each other? 
So start doing it now. Be what you are. That's what we stand for. Guys, in God's kingdom, God's going to be honored. Completely honored. Deserves it. So do it now. You're a citizen of his kingdom now. And your God deserves your full honor now. You believe that? You see, we're supposed to do life in this world in a, reflect, in a way that reflects who we really are already. And who we're going to be perfectly in the next. When Jesus comes back, he's going to finish transforming every single Jesus follower. You will finally be as you were meant to be. You're going to do life with God as it was meant to be lived. You will finally be you. And you're going to be amazing. I think there's still going to be a lot of diversity and quirkiness. God seems to love diversity and quirkiness. But you're going to be healed of all your hurts. Can you imagine what a difference that's going to make in how you treat people? You're going to be reconciled to every other Jesus follower. You're going to be reconciled to all of those Jesus followers right now that annoy you so much. Because we're all going to be as God meant us to be. <laughs> That'd be cool. There's going to be no more sin. And no more shame. What a relief. No more suffering. No more pain. Absolutely incredible. And we're going to live with this profound awe at who God is. And a profound gratitude at what he has done and what he has made us to be. If you guys let your mind wander a little bit, you might be thinking something like this, man, if we're gonna be that cool, I just kinda wish my husband was a little closer to that now. It'd make living with him and loving him a whole lot easier, wouldn't it? And he's thinking the same thing about you. Maybe you're thinking, I wish some of my so-called friends were a little more transformed right now. Maybe they'd be a little more annoying, less annoying and less hurtful. And they're thinking the same thing about you. But it's gonna be a while, guys. We have already died to this world. We are already dead to this world, but it's gonna take a lifetime of serious Jesus following to keep peeling this stuff off. And we're not gonna be done until he finishes the job for us. And we meet him face to face. But we can be working on it. Here's the key, here it is. Set your sights on the realities of heaven. Think about the realities of heaven, not the things of the earth. Remember who you really are and what you stand for. Because if you can keep that focus, it's going to change the way that you do life right here, right now. Which is where the Apostle Paul goes next. Verse 5. So, therefore... Since you are already dead to this world, since you are already a citizen of the kingdom of God, put to death the earthly things that are still lurking inside of you. Peel that stuff off. It's messing you up. It's holding you back. It is not who you are anymore. So kill it. He doesn't tell us to stifle it or repress it or control it. He says kill it. Kill things like sexual immorality. In Greek, actually, the word there is porneia, porneia. It's from the word from which we get things like porn and pornography and pornographic. It means any kind of unlawful sexual intercourse, sex outside of God's design. He says, kill it or it's going to kill you. 
It's going to kill the relationships that are so special. It's going to kill your joy. It's going to kill your intimacy with God. It may even kill your life with God. Impurity. All of us fight impurity. It means any kind of immoral sexual conduct. Porn, sexting, whatever. Kill it or it's going to kill you. Lust. You see, in this world, it's fed. They tell you to follow your feelings. Lust is one of those feelings. And you've got to follow your heart, right? I can't help it. I love him or I love her, right? God says, no, no. If you were a dog, you'd have to follow your heart. If you were a cat, you probably can't help it. You're just a dork. You're different. You were created in the image of God. You have the capacity to say no to your feelings when they lead you away from God. And I know they're strong. I know they're powerful, but they can get all twisted up. And if they're pulling you away from God, kill it, he says. Last week, we talked about two things that the enemy uses to pull us away from our God, our lusts and our likes. I don't know if you remember that stuff you were here last week. He says, put to death things like sexual immorality and impurity and lust and evil desires. And he goes after another one of the big ones. He says, don't be greedy because a greedy person is an idolater. And he's worshiping the things of this world. Think about it. There is gonna be no greed in heaven, right? We're not gonna be jealous of what anybody else has. We're not gonna be jealous of their palace. We're not going to be battling this insatiable discontent where we've just got to have something better or newer. We're not going to go around comparing what we have with what someone else has who has less or maybe who has more. We're not going to value our stuff more than we value people or God. So because you're already citizens of the kingdom of God, start now. Change now. And if you feel that stuff welling up inside of you, kill it, he says. Kill it. You know why? Verse six, this is where he goes next. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. It's messing your life up. It's driving a wedge between you and the people that you care about. The stuff is corrupting your intimacy with God and someday it could even corrupt entirely your relationship with God. He's coming back and he's gonna make things right so don't get caught up in this stuff. It'll, don't let it drag you down. It's not worth it. Almost done. Just a couple more pieces. Verse seven. Paul keeps pounding. He says, you guys used to do these things. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but that's not who you are now. Now is the time already, even though you still have one foot planted in this world, now is the time to get rid of the anger and the rage and the malicious behavior and the slander and the dirty language and don't lie to each other. I know that that just sounds like another list of rules, right? You got all these rules lists in the New Testament. It's, it's not. It's just telling us what it looks like when you love and honor God. This is how you behave. This is just telling you what it looks like when you love and honor people. That's what it does. This is what it's going to look like in the kingdom of God when Jesus comes back. You're not going to go around frustrated and grumpy and agitated. That's what anger does. It's not going to be there. You're not going to explode in rage when your anger gets out of control. That's what wrath does. You're not going to think about ways to make life harder.
hard for each other, to hurt each other, to get back at each other. That's what malice does. You're not going to gossip. You're not going to hurt each other with these sharp words. That's what slander does. You're not going to have a foul mouth, a dirty mouth. And you're not going to lie. You're not going to make stuff up. You're not going to shade the truth about the past. You know why? It's not because God's an old prude sitting up there trying to think up stuff to make your life hard. It's not because God is sitting up there trying to hold out on you, trying to steal the joy out of your life. It's because he doesn't want his kids to settle. Don't settle. Love and honor God, and this kind of stuff's going to sort itself out. Love and honor the people that God loves, and this kind of stuff's going to sort itself out. Think about it, guys. If I love her, if I really love her, I'm not going to hurt her. I'm not going to pull her away from her family, others that she loves. I'm not going to pull her away from God. If I love her, I'm not going to use her. I'm not going to abuse her for my gain. If I love him, if I honor him, I'm not going to lie to him. I'm not going to cheat him. I'm not going to undermine him. I'm not going to slander and badmouth him. I'm not going to do that stuff in the kingdom of heaven. So start living out that stuff now. It's who you are. It's what you stand for. And it's exactly what's going to draw others to him as they watch us live out the life that they were made for too. That's our mission from God. Paul says, do this stuff because you've stripped off. You've already stripped off your old sinful nature and all of its wicked deeds. So he says, put on the new nature. Live it out. Be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Remember who you are and what you stand for. Live it, he says. And here's what happens. I love how he wraps it up. This is so cool. What would, what would it look like to be a community of faith in which people actually did this kind of stuff? What would it feel like to be around people who actually lived this kind of stuff out? He says, in this new life, <laughs> it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile. It doesn't matter if you're circumcised or uncircumcised, if you're barbaric, uncivilized, slave-free, because Christ is all that matters to any one of us. And he's the one who lives in us. So let me pull that into Frankfort, Kentucky, 2018. He says, when we actually do life this way, it's not going to matter if you're black or white or any color in between. It's not going to matter if you're rich or you're poor. It's not going to matter if you're Republican or Democrat. It's not going to matter if you're a millennial or Gen X or a boomer or a builder. It doesn't matter whether you're a white collar or a redneck, cat or a cardinal county or hills or anything else because if you're in Christ you're family you're family and we want to love and honor each other today the way that we're going to love and honor each other then because we want to love and honor our God and we want that more than life itself remember who you are and what you stand for in just a moment, we're going to stand up together, not quite yet, and we're going to sing a song. And I just want to tell you a couple of the lyrics that we're going to sing. Who am I? Who am I that the highest king himself is going to welcome me? I was lost, but he brought me in. 
Who is love for me? Who the sun sets free, that person is free indeed. I am a child of God. Yes, I am. Remember who you are. Remember what you stand for. This is the next verse. I am chosen. I'm not forsaken. I am who you say that I am. You're for me. You're not against me. I am who you say that I am. That is my reality. So when you sing that song, sing it like you own it. And then we're going to get together together as a family around these tables, around this room. This is what makes us family. This is why we're a part of the kingdom of God. Body of Christ, broken for us, bearing our sins so that we can be at peace with God. Blood of Christ, shed for us so that we can be clean for our God. Come to this table as a family right now. A family that's going to go way beyond this earth. And if you're not part of that family yet, you haven't made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, I'm going to be sitting right down over there, I think, or maybe right over in that corner. And if you want to come talk to me a little bit, I'd love to chat with you about making Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, getting started in this kingdom life. I'd love to do that. If you want to make Capital City your home, just come on over and talk to me. If you're too embarrassed to come up here in front of these people, that's cool. I'll be in the connections room right after the service. Let's chat for a couple of minutes. Let's stand and sing together.